Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. I'm here live. Rob's on the line, and we also have special guest returning to the podcast, John Fanta, part of the Biggest Conference Network, Fox Sports 1 contributor and announcer, I might say, um, at games. And, John, great to have you back, albeit after tough of a tough loss from Villanova, but good to good to good to see you, Chris Rob. Thanks for having me. Best time of the year, and I'll tell you what, Hinkle magic is real, and it struck again on Sunday afternoon with Villanova having as uncharacteristic of a performance as you are ever going to see from a Jay Wright coach team. I mean, I still cannot believe that they went two for twenty-seven from three. Worst performance from beyond the arc for Villanova in over two decades. I read. I'll tell wow. you what, uh, that happens. Um, you're better to have it today than to have it three weeks from now. You know what? You got to get back into the lab, figure yourselves out. And for Villanova, Wednesday night now, essentially a Big East regular season title game for all intents and purposes between Villanova and Creighton at the Finneran Pavilion. Now, at the end of the day, if I had told you, you'd have a chance to basically seal up your regular season championship at home. You know, you'd say, okay, we get to be comfortable. We're in our building. We could play our game. But Creighton has been so, so good. This is what it's all about. It's the best time of year, and we're going to go right down to the wire to start here for the regular season championships. I, I, I do feel like we've kept going down to the wire the last several years uh, in the Big East, John, and it speaks to the competition in the conference. Um, but I want to touch on that a little bit later. I guess you actually started to answer the first question that I had for you right off the bat was, John, I need your energy. I need you to make me feel better. I need you to make the Nova Nation feel better. Everyone's freaking out. We're all a little bit like, okay, I hear your point on better to have it now than three weeks from now. But knowing that Hinkle could be on the ledger to play in in the future uh, for the big dance, I think a lot of Villanova fans are saying, it happened now. Will it also happen three weeks from now? Make us feel better. Well, Butler won't be on the other side of it at Hinkle Fieldhouse. <laughs> like, at least Villanova's going to be familiar with the building. Now, look, it's a house of whores to them based on the fact that over the last five years, they've gone 60 and 15 against the combined now with UConn in nine schools in the Big East. And they've gone five and five in that same span against Butler over the last five regular seasons, which is just crazy. Butler's not going to be on the other side. You know, that's why you feel good is that you're comfortable playing in the building in that you've played in it. You're, you haven't comfortably won in it, but you know what the building's like. You know you're going to be mad because you've made mistakes there and you had a real bad performance. You had a total clunker. You got that out of the way. A lot of teams get to the NCAA tournament and – it's the shooting background. It's the unique location of the game. It's the team that they haven't seen or heard of, and they get overwhelmed, and quickly things get out of control, and next thing you know, they're on a jet just as soon as they arrive at the tournament, and they're on a plane back home. So for Villanova, I think it's okay for a Big East team. If you're walking into Hinkle Fieldhouse, at least you've played there. A lot of teams that are in the tournament have not. I think for Villanova, look, are they a top-five team in America? They are not. They're not. The, and I don't go by the rankings. I think the AP poll is ridiculous. I, I'm a, I'm, I, I hate to say it, but I just I think it's a number next to a name, and I don't know how everybody in the country possibly watches every single team. It's no disrespect to the Associated Press, but it's it's one of those things where the poll's the poll. Right now for Villanova, they've got to be better defensively. They they just haven't been great on that end of the floor, and on the offensive end of the floor. You know, Robinson Earl has had a really good year for them, but they've got to get better contributions from their wing spots consistently. You know, and and, and that comes down to Justin Moore playing not okay, but playing really, really well. And it, and it comes down to Cole Swider. Like, I kind of come and go with him at times, and whether or not he's, he's getting the minutes, but you have to be able to contribute 
the in the scoring column. So look, here's the positives. Gillespie is a guy that you trust. When you have a senior point guard march, it really, really matters. But he's got to be able to have guys around him that make his life easier by hitting shots. And right now, it's a make-or-miss game. Villanova is not a consistent team in terms of shot making, and that we've been so used to them being that. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, it's 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 funny to say that because early on in the season, they looked like they would be a shot making team, especially from deep. They had the mid range going. You know, the guys would then, and then the mid range would open up the three point looks and and the uh, and the and the drives to the hoop. And it seems like Villanova has tried to be what Villanova is, which is like a layup or three-pointer team and it seemed like the layups were kind of going in today and certainly the three-pointers were not and then you also mentioned the the defensive element I think Villanova fans started to get encouraged coming off of the UConn and St. John's games with like hey maybe there is progress defensively but I got to be honest with you, as bad as the three-point shooting was, I thought the defensive performance was equally, if not worse, today for Villanova. Yes. And so I agree with that point. Yeah, the, de- the defense right now uh, is struggling. And typically, like last year, Jay Wright told us in early December that his defense was not good. You know, he said that. And then all of a sudden, they really started to kick it up a notch. And I thought it started with the Kansas game. And yep. that win over Kansas. They really did a great job. And sometimes their offense is their best defense in that they limit the possessions. They take the shot clock down. And when a lot of teams get uncomfortable deeper in the shot clock, Villanova relies on its habits and its passing and its high percentage shot taking to be comfortable late in shot clock situations. What they allow Butler to do is to get easy looks, to get out in the open floor, Give credit to Butler. They made some ridiculous shots that they don't make in other buildings. They make them inside Hinkle Fieldhouse. They hit 10 threes in this game. Chuck Harris was tremendous. Nobody's going to want to face Butler in two years if these freshmen stay around. And two of them aren't even on the floor right now. Jacoby Coles and Scooby Johnson, you know, both hurt. So, but what I point to here is the other thing. In this sport, especially in a pandemic season, when you've had ups, downs, pauses, weird things happen, tons of different stuff that doesn't happen in other years, you have to have some semblance of depth. Villanova does not possess depth. They don't have it this year. Not consistently enough anyways. It is hard to win. Hard to win unless you've got NBA players. You know, NBA-ready college talent. It's mm-hmm. difficult to win and play at a dominant level with basically five and a half guys. Totally, totally. And I think that raises a good point. Um, we had a post-game show on Clubhouse, and a lot of fans came on and asked us the question, what happened to Dixon today? Because you looked, anytime Butler was struggling to make some shots and we were going on a little bit of a run, they dumped it down low and they just backed us right down to the cup and – Swider and Slater and even Samuels, who is a much stronger player than either of those two, uh, just got back down and right to the cup, and it was an easy layup. And they were able to get points inside when they needed to to help stem the tide that we were trying to force on them. And 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 you look at that and you say, okay, well, what are you going to do in March when you got some more elite-level big men who can really do work inside? And you only have Jeremiah Robinson Earl who can really play the five position. Yeah, it's it's problem. You know, it's and here's the thing. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he's a four. You know, he's a four. He's a four. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. He's playing out of position when he when he does that. And look, I we can't get inside the doors of a practice. You know, we don't know what what Jay is seeing and what he's not seeing. I'm not going to start to question what exactly he's doing or not doing. I just think. You know, he's given some of these guys a run, um, but 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 not everything's worked out. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you expected Brandon Slater, Cole Swider, even Brian Antoine to take a, a step forward. But now with it being this late in the season, guys, it's difficult to it's difficult to be able to find that at this stage of the game. It just is. It, either you have it or you don't. And today what I look at is Villanova's bench. 
Their bench combined tallied a total of 34 minutes in the game. That's it's going to be difficult to win if if your bench combined isn't playing a you know a full game. Uh, yeah. That Swider was the guy who played the most minutes, 16 minutes in the game. So I just what I what I look at with this team is exactly right. Like Robinson Earl can play out of position, um, and I thought I thought that Butler, you know Bryce Golden, he's a big that makes things happen. He he went five of eight with 13 points. You know didn't do anything from beyond the arc, so he's able to score well. Enzi had a great day. You know yep. further testament size impacts Villanova. Mm-hmm. Size is not sexy. So it's hard to stay committed to it. But when Villanova's not hitting perimeter shots, it makes it that much easier for you to say, you know what, we can make this a paint game. In fact, I thought UConn tried to do that at the Pavilion, but Villanova kept making tough shot after tough shot after tough shot. Um, and, 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 but Jay Wright's concern this year has been countering the fives. Even against Creighton, yeah. even against a team like Creighton, who is all guards typically, Christian Bishop was Jay Wright's biggest concern, and then we saw why in the game. That's a that's a great point, John, and and we're going to transition here. But I do like the point of the fact of, hey, if we're not making outside shots, it leads to issues. So not only does it lead to issues offensively in terms of spreading the floor and able to opening things up, it speaks to defensive issues because now the the other team is able to go down low, dump it down low, and take advantage when. Otherwise, if we were making shots, they would have to go smaller and guard us out on the three-point line, which would impact their ability to play offense. It's a great point, well, um, and I appreciate you bringing that in. You know what happens is some coaches say, oh, I'm going to go small to try to match up with Villanova. No, you're not. Mistake. Yeah. No, you're not. What are you doing? You're going to try to beat Villanova at being Villanova? Good luck. <laughs> They've still won more than everybody else over the last seven, eight years. You know, there's still there's, this is still a really, really good basketball team. We're in, yeah. we're in a very big narratives world, guys. You know it. Like, you know, on Twitter this afternoon, maybe Villanova's just not as good as we thought. Well, don't look at this performance and make that conclusion. No, look at the loss at St. John's. Look at some other games that potentially might have exposed who they were, like the game at Creighton. You know, it's not just one off. It's if you're going to develop a take, don't develop it off watching two hours of basketball. Is this Villanova team a top five team in the country? No. That being said, does that mean they can't make the second week in the NCAA tournament? Absolutely not. Because yeah. If this season's shown us anything, it's that right now in college basketball, after the top six or seven teams, even then, I'd say eight to 25 is a crapshoot. It is. Anything could happen to anybody. But for Villanova, this last week's important because you don't want to fall to the four line. You know, you want to be no worse than three. And you'd like to win out, you know, and, and have your firm argument as a two seed in the NCAA yep. tournament because there's a big difference between a 2-15 game and a 4-13, even a 3-14. We've seen 14s pull it off. So, you know, you got to refocus. I actually think – I think it could be an okay thing for them. I know it was a really bad performance, but you know what? They're going to be practicing like hell over these next 48 hours for a game they got to have. We're going to find out about this team Wednesday night. They don't match up particularly well with Creighton. How does Coach Wright adjust? Yeah, and John, I'm glad you brought that up. And I, and I wanted to ask, because you mentioned it before, Villanova's not a top-five team. I wanted to ask the question, Okay, where does Villanova stand in your eyes? Because right, like going into the game, I think it was pretty well understood in the bracketology sphere, if you will, that Villanova was a two seed. I believed, and we believed here on the podcast, that Villanova had an inside track to that fourth one spot if they won out. Obviously, that didn't happen um, with the loss today against Butler. Um, but thought that, hey, okay, you're going to play another game against Creighton, win all the way through the Big East tournament title with only three losses. You probably have the inside track to the one line, obviously the Big Ten notwithstanding. Um, now with the loss to Butler, I think the one the one seed line is totally out. Um, but I'm interested to get your thoughts. If the bracket was made today, if today was Selection Sunday, would we be a three? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think Villanova would be a three. 
I do. I mean, I think when you think about their wins at Texas, uh, at Seton Hall, um, you know, they beat UConn at home. But it's not like they have an overwhelmingly amount of great victories this year. And they've mm-hmm. lost at St. John's, lost at Butler, which is, a you know, Butler's been hanging around the 130 mark of the net. Uh, so that hasn't done them any favors. Butler's metrics are bad. It's actually hurt the Big East because Butler went 7-3 and three at home in Big East play, but they took a bad non-conference loss, I think, to Southern Illinois. You know, it's like that. That was a killer non-conference loss. I think they'd be a three seed, though. Uh, because they still have been one of the best teams in America and one of the most consistent teams. And I do think perception matters. They've proved themselves. But if you look at at their resume and you compare it to others, I will say it's not as great as maybe some of the other stronger resumes there, but they benefit off their recent standing in recent years. And when you watch Villanova play their best, you realize that they could compete with the one line. And the two line compete. You know, I don't know. I'm not saying they're beating Gonzaga, but Villanova is a team that can make you play their way. What's tough is this team doesn't possess many much depth. So the way that they play kind of becomes an easier formula for opposing teams to read than it has been in other years. I put them on the three line. You know, I think they're the, the top three, maybe the second best three uh, on that three line. I think that that's where they sit right now. I would put Creighton on the five line right now uh, in the NCAA tournament. Even though they lost yesterday, have a couple of bad losses. No worse than six for the Blue Jays. I, you know, five or six for Creighton for me. Uh, it, just just looking ahead towards Wednesday. But I think that the Cats are still a, a a three. If they went one and one this week, things would get a little bit more nerve wracking. But I still think that they're okay. And if they make the Big East championship game, they're no worse than a three seed. Yeah. So so basically, just to sum that up no worse than a probably no worse than a four i mean if they lost out then maybe a five but that's not realistic um uh but but probably no worse than a no worse than that no 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 higher than a two so so you're looking at a, a two to four fine okay um in a normal year that might matter because you might play a first round second round game in the uh in the immediate area but that doesn't obviously matter this year with everything being in Indianapolis. Um, how about the rest of the Big East? As we're, we're just talking a little bit of uh, talking a little bit of NCAA tournament and seeding and stuff like that. It's been a weird year uh, for the, for the conference because not a lot of ranked teams. Um, when teams have gotten ranked, they've took a bad injury. They've taken a COVID pause. I'm talking a little bit about UConn most specifically there, um, but even like Hall climbed up there for a bit, fell back. Um, and then, and then of late, the conference is cannibalizing itself in, in a way, you know, I, I feel like big East fans, homers want to say, Hey, this conference is underrated. The bottom of the big East is really good. And they point to that UNC um, debacle against Marquette um, as evidence that they are um, versus I think the rest of the world will look at the metrics and say, Hey, the big East is not, what the Big East was a couple of years ago. So I, I'm just curious what your thoughts well, are. Well, I mean, last year this was a seven-bid conference, six or seven bids for the tournament. You know, it was. I mean, yeah. last year we could look. Villanova, Creighton, Seton Hall were surefire locks. Providence was going to yeah. make it. They they reappeared, uh, came out of nowhere. Marquette was going to do enough to make it. Uh, that's five. Uh, Xavier was hanging on the thread. Butler was going to make it. You know, so like this league has averaged five and a half teams per year. And that was ten. That's, that's good. I mean, that's if you're getting half your, over half your league in, that's good. Um, this year, the conference has taken a step back. The conference was supposed to take a step back this year. And it has. I mean, it, the league has been an average league this year. It's been an average conference. You know, and and fans are used to it being a strong conference, and this year it hasn't been that. And part of that is, how many wins do you compile against Villanova and Creighton? And the weird thing is, the bottom of the league has actually pulled off some of those wins, like a Providence over Creighton, or a Georgetown over Creighton, or a St. John's over Villanova. 
Right. Or Butler. Yes, suppose, <laughs> let's look at Xavier, UConn, and Seton Hall. How many wins combined do Xavier, UConn, Seton Hall have over Creighton or Villanova? Zero. Nothing. Xavier played Creighton twice. Oh, excuse me. One. Xavier just beat Creighton. Xavier just beat Creighton. My bad. But, but before right. that, nothing. Nothing. So what happens is then your league, when those middle teams lose to the bottom, now you've got cannibalization happening. Um, I think that this league is okay. I think it's a four-bid league to the tournament. I do. I think that Savior or Seton Hall are going to still make it. Um, UConn is in. But if we take a look at the metrics, you know, right from top to bottom, UConn is 36 in the net. Um, they, they jump from 42 to 36. The Huskies are totally different with James Booknight. You know, they're, um, they're probably going to be a 10 seed. If you're a seven, do you want to play them? No. No, no, no. So, no, so no, I think, God, no. Chris and Rob, one thing I would bring up is this league is more average this year. It's down this year. But you said it with Seton Hall. We haven't seen that team in weeks play well. It's the strangest thing. It's very strange. So if they find a way in as a 10 or 11, I wonder what they look like as that 10 or 11. The the irony of it is this. There are some years when you might have seven teams make it to the tournament, but three or four of them are on the 8-9 line. And then they end up losing in the by the end of the first weekend anyways. And then you have one or two teams make the second weekend. The new goal for the Big East is simple. Can we get two or three teams to the second weekend to be able to say, hey, we've got three-fourths of the regions made up here of teams that could come out of it. That's the next step for the league. And I do feel, still, that Villanova, Creighton, and UConn could all be teams that make it to that second weekend if the draw is right. I think UConn is the ultimate X factor to this whole stack of cards. In fact, I could see them winning the Big East tournament. I, I mean, I they give me yeah. that vibe. Um, so I think the league I mean, is average this year. Um, I think that the league is – because the league has been really restrictive with COVID, other leagues have not been as restrictive. As a result, non-conference games got eliminated from the schedule for a lot of teams. And so what happened is you can't build your conference profile if you don't have out-of-conference opportunities. And a lot of out-of-league games got changed, cut, removed. And so as a result, it's not an excuse. It's just an explanation. The Big East is taking COVID to the nth degree. They when when you shut down, you shut down. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's another variable to talk about here because not every league's done that because other leagues played football and so they kind of adapted based on what they did with football. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point on the on the COVID pause thing and how uh, and how the Big East treated it. I mean, we saw Villanova take a four week pause um, in the middle of the season. UConn has had at least a couple pauses. Butler. Didn't even start its year until almost Christmas. Um, and we played them against the second game, their second game of the season. Um, so it's a good point on the, on the COVID pause and how Big East has treated it a little bit differently. I want to go back to the point on the Big East going deep into the dance. I agree with your point wholeheartedly on UConn. I think Book Knight is one of those. Look, I don't, I don't want to put him in that level of category, but he's kind of like that type of player that UConn tends to have, that 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 Shabazz, that Kemba guy. And I'm not calling him oh, no, that I will. level. Guess what? Necessary. I've got hate uh, on for this. I've got <laughs> hate on for this. Yeah. I think he's better than yeah. Napier. Okay. Hey, look, I mean, to your point, Napier without yeah. that last run, Napier without that last run, and like obviously, if I take away the best part of your entire career, you're not going to be as good. <laughs> but um, but Napier without that last run, yeah, I would I, I could get where you're going with that. Um, Book Knight's an electric player, uh, and and early on in that game, before he kind of had something with his hand um, with the Villanova UConn game, he looked good and was tearing us up. So I think UConn. Absolutely. If they're a 10 or 11, they're absolutely the last team I want to draw as a six or a seven seed. And then as a two or a three seed or whatever you get after that, I don't want to see UConn one iota. That's a program that has won championships in the last 10 years. That is not a team that you want to see. Um, Creighton, I think Creighton to me is like the big question mark 
because they've had a lot of great teams in the last 10 years, but have never broken through the second weekend and have kind of flown under the radar on that front. Like they had Dougie McBuckets and never, never got to the second weekend with him. And, and I'd like to see Creighton actually get there, but I want to ask you like, what's Villanova's ceiling here? Like, like we're a Villanova podcast. I want to get back to that. What do you think is the ceiling on Villanova given everything that you've seen and, um, and losses like St. John's and whatever, because for, and I'll just preface it with this. Everyone talks about like John Rothstein loves to tweet like Villanova is a fi- fortune 500 company. We tend to be like to be businesslike and how we play. I feel like this team is so businesslike sometimes that they fall asleep at the wheel. I don't even know. It's maybe not the right way to put that, but they almost like lack that killer instinct, that, that predator mentality to go out and stomp somebody. And I worry about that so much in that first and second weekend, uh, first and second round games, when you're definitely going to get an opponent who's going to see Villanova on the front of the jersey and think this is a program-defining moment for our, for our school. Yeah, it's a great point, Chris. Um, but I will say this. I saw that killer mentality come out of this team in the UConn game. They were talking at UConn. They were letting them know that, that this was their turf. We saw it unleashed. If you watch that game again closely, Villanova was in UConn's faces. In fact, John's second game. This is why losing can help. You, you know, if you go unbeaten, yeah. you're ill prepared. I think for the big dance, you face St. John's the second time around, and after uh, after the Brian Antoine save and the Slater slam, if I remember, St. John's called a timeout, and Justin Moore was in the eyes of St. John's bench, letting them know about it. And that was where I saw that killer mentality come out of this Villanova team. They do show us, though, at times that they're just there's not that extra edge. There's not that NBA-ready type of player edge that we saw from Bay at times last year where he would literally take over a game and there was nothing you could do about it. There's something you can do about facing this Villanova team, especially if they don't have a shooter that can get hot. Uh, and, and against Butler, we saw what happened. So I think they they do they know that they're flawed. Their ceiling, I think they're a team that can make the Sweet 16. I think that the pinnacle of this is going to be the round of 32 game because Villanova fans are going to be sweating. You're going to be sweating if you're, if, oh, you're yeah. a, if you're a two seed against a seven or a ten, or if you're a three against a six or an eleven. You're going to be sweating. You are going to be sweating, I think, because it gives me NC State vibes. You know, it gives me those vibes of, uh-oh, you know, watch out because this could get a little bit shaky here. Sometimes that second game is the hardest step of them all because you got to learn how to win a tournament game. And and there are times when I watch this Villanova team and they look so lost offensively, they don't make up for it on defense. You know, this is not a team that, again, can rely on its defense consistently enough, in my opinion. And, when again, when you have Robinson Earl playing the five, if a team has a true big and is willing to give it, give him the ball and have him do work, Villanova gets really frustrated by that and can have some trouble with that and will follow you as a result. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging. I think that they're a team that can make the Sweet 16 – but I think the big moment is going to be that round of 32, how they handle that situation. That, that for me, is the game that I'm going to be saying, okay, because I don't see them losing in the first round. Jay's too good of a coach. This, this team's too good of a basketball team. That round of 32 is going to be the key step for them this year. And look, when you think about it, there's 353 teams. You've won two of the last four national championships. If after everything you've been through, you make the second weekend of the tournament, hey, throw the ball up in the air. Let's play. So if you get the Elite Eight, you don't yeah. know. Like, you know, every every year now, Villanova fans are going to say, hey, our goal is to win a national title. That's a credit to the coach. It's a credit to the program. You should want to win a national championship. You've established that new goal. But in college basketball, if you get to that second weekend, it's anybody's game at that point. That should be the goal. That second game of the tournament will be the key. I don't know. I have I have two thoughts here, guys. Sometimes winning the Big East tournament takes a little bit too much out of you, I think, sometimes when you then arrive to the NCAA. 
So I actually don't know if winning the Big East tournament this year for Villanova is is I know it's a championship. I know it means a lot. But if they lose on semifinal Friday, if they even get upset in the quarterfinals, I, I I sometimes think everybody proclaims the sky is falling when you lose in a moment like that. Sometimes that's the best thing that could ever happen to a team going in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if winning the Big East tournament this year is the best thing for Villanova to make an NCAA run. I think they, they, they're going to need that time. In a season where Jay didn't have them for several weeks of practice, that week before the NCAA tournament is going to be big for this Villanova team. they got to find a sixth or a seventh option that, that's going to give them something. They can't have Cole Swider come in, play 16 minutes, miss four threes, and that's the game. You know, they, they've got to they, be able to have at least somebody that they can count on. John, John, Rob and I are laughing here. We're sitting here laughing because we're, we've, you've regurgitated a point that we've made time and time again on this podcast, that Swider is just a non-factor defensively and often a detractor defensively because you put a big guy on him, the big guy backs him down, happened today. You put a little guy on him, and he blows right by him with no question. And and so and so, if Swider is not filling up the cup from deep, what is he adding? I don't know the answer. Versus a Slater, where at least you can count defensively, he's going to be big. He's long. He can disrupt things. He can steal, and then he can throw some down, some hammer dunks, and play above the and play above the rim a little bit, like we saw against St. John's. I, like it, I agree with your point totally on, uh, on all of that. I do want to go back to your point on Nova with the Big East tournament um, because I do want to talk a little bit. I want to draw on your experience with the Big East, but I want to touch on this point. Uh, and I actually have it on the no- on my notes for this game is who needs the Big East tournament the most or the least? And does Nova have more to lose or gain? Because we talked about Nova can win its way out onto the two line. I don't know if there's a huge difference between two or nope. three this year. And, and and so I'm of the opinion that like okay now that the one is out where if we where if we won the Butler game I'd be like win out make the one line you never have to see Michigan uh, Baylor or Gonzaga until you make the Final Four now I'm just like okay we got to make the second weekend like what does it take to get there I think a win and a I think a one and one Big East tournament might be a might be a good. I agree with you. I really do. And and you ask, who has the most to gain during the Big East tournament? For me, it's Seton Hall. You know, they are firmly on the bubble right now. If the NCAA tournament bracket was released right now, it wouldn't surprise me if Seton Hall was the last team in or the first team out of the field. They just haven't put up enough great wins. Well, you're going to get your chance at the Garden in the Big East tournament as a four or five seed potentially in that quarterfinal. You could meet UConn on a neutral floor. I don't know about Seton Hall's chance in that game. You could meet St. John's on a neutral floor. You could meet Xavier. Then you would get Villanova or Creighton, both of whom you nearly beat in the regular season, and that'd be a really tough game for either Villanova or Creighton if they had to meet the Hall again in the semifinals, a desperate Seton Hall team potentially. Pirates have the most to gain. Who has the most to lose in my mind? The big question. I actually am going to go with Creighton. You know why? They haven't proved to us, like you said earlier, that they can make a major run in March. And if they are one and done in the Big East tournament, I think I think the same narrative would occur. Uh, they just haven't been able to to do it, and you know that this is not good. And you know you could get those types of things happening. So I think for Creighton, they got to walk into the Garden. We got to see them them be the team that they've been throughout much of this season. And that is an offensively balanced team, a team that does defend better than people give them credit for. Damian Jefferson's got to be active. Marcus Zagorowski needs to play like the preseason player of the year that he was named. If those things happen, I think Creighton's got the pressure on them. Can the Blue Jays put it together in the Big East tournament? Last year, they were down at half against St. John's before everything got called off. And I remember thinking from a basketball standpoint, there wasn't much basketball being discussed, but I thought to myself, man, what happens if St. John's wins this game? You know, they would have flipped the bracket on its side uh, and, and, and flipped it upside down. So Creighton's got, a, got some pressure on them here to walk into the garden and live up to who they've been this season. John, John while I have you, and you, you brought up Priggy, uh, Big East preseason player of the year, 
and all of that. I yeah. want to talk a little bit awards um, and what you what you're thinking. I mean, I, I mean, look, I, Colin uh, um, Colin Gillespie and Jeremiah Robinson Earl were both named to their respective player top five lists. Um, I think that they will both appear on the first team. Um, but interested to get your thoughts as to what the what the Big East Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, first you know, first team, second team, what it'll look like. Any other Villanova guys appear on either of those teams? Um, just interested to get your well. Per- freshman perspective of the Year is undoubtedly Posh Alexander at St. John's. He's been above and beyond uh, what anybody yep. expected. He has willed his team. Coach of the Year for me, if Greg McDermott wins the conference this week and beats Villanova Wednesday, Greg McDermott would be my coach of the year, um, even though he was picked two and finished one. If Mike Anderson sweeps both games this week and cracks a five seed in the NCAA tournament, I would vote Mike Anderson as my Big East coach of the year at St. John's because they were picked to finish ninth, and they would be finishing five. For player of the year, it's a really, 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 really difficult decision. I don't know who the player of the year is in this league. I know who the best player is in this league, and his name is James Booknight. But he hasn't played enough to be the player of the year, in my humble opinion. So with that in mind, I would consider Robinson Earl because I've seen him at the start of the season. He was so doggone good, and he still has been real steady this year. Gillespie is the steadiest point guard in the league, so you could think about him. Sandro Mamoukelashvili has had a great season, uh, but has kind of fallen off lately. We'll see what total of body of work is. You know, it's going to be tough. I don't think Creighton, Creighton is so systematically sound that actually I don't know if they have the player of the year on their team because they're so complete as a squad. So the door is open here for player of the year. It's going to be really tough to decide. Most improved for me, most improved. Uh, I actually would probably go with Julian Champagny at St. John's. I think he's he's been great. He's taken a massive, massive leap. Either him or Zach Fremantle. Over at Xavier. First team would be Robinson Earl, Gillespie, Mamu Kelashvili, David Duke, who's had – I mean, I have to put him on my first team. He's been so freaking good. I, I, I And then, uh, you know – I think Book Knight gets on there because Book they Knight, get six Book players. Knight, and then probably Zagorowski will get on there. Book Knight and Zagorowski. Yeah. Second team would probably be uh, Damian Jefferson from Creighton, who I think's had a tremendous, tremendous season. That's where it gets tough. Posh Alexander, I think, would be on there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing in this league is is that when you get past that, like Fremantle would be on there from Xavier. Paul Scruggs would be on there. I think Xavier gets a pair of second-team guys. I don't know if anybody else from Villanova gets on the second team. I think they might have, they might have an honorable mention. Yes. You know, they might have more. Yeah, yeah. more yeah. or Samuels. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate all of that. Final before I let you go, I want a prediction on on number of teams to make the second weekend of the dance and your Big East tournament champion prediction. Okay, so so the first answer to your question is I think two teams will make the second weekend. Um, I think UConn's going to make okay. the second weekend in the tournament. I like it. That's your that's your initial. That's your first bid, and then yeah, one of those two depends on the draw that they get. It really depends on the draw that they get. I just yeah. I love an underseeded team in the tournament. Like that's that's the team that I trust more than others because upsets are just too prevalent. Who wins the Big East tournament? Oh my God! I mean, I don't know, guys. This that's really it's really a loaded question. I've been on UConn's boat. I could see them winning it. I'm going to go bold here, though, on this podcast right now. I've actually picked UConn a couple of times, but I'm going to go bold. I'm picking St. John's to win the Big East tournament. I, I cannot. Ooh, I think that they, they find it in a bottle. Remember how they were playing over a couple of weeks in a row and everyone's like, this team is good. Yeah. I could see them finding lightning in a bottle and putting together three straight games of just that 40 minutes of hell. They're all over the place. They're playing hard. Anderson's got them going. Yeah, I think it's UConn or St. John's, guys. I do. That Those would be my two picks. I really, if I were a betting man, if I were submitting a bet in Las Vegas, the, the best money I think would be on UConn because of book night, they defend, they rebound so, so well. For the sake of being a wild card here, St. John's, it would not surprise me if, of course, in a COVID year, 
New York can't be inside the building to celebrate their team. Uh, but watch out here. I, I really got to still have a feeling about Mike Anderson. And the way they've been playing, guys, they're a dangerous team if they click. When they're clicking offensively, they're dangerous. I know they got blown out by Villanova, but we all saw that coming in this league. You don't get Nova twice. Watch out for the Johnnies here, big BET week. All right, well – Okay, I have one more question because you said don't add, you don't get Villanova twice. Does Vill, does Creighton get Villanova twice this week? No, I like the Cats to win this week. I like them on Wednesday night. I think they're going to get revenge. I think they're going to come out with a renewed sense of energy, a renewed sense of who they are. I think they put together a patented Villanova performance. Um, Creighton got exposed a little bit in the Xavier game. I think Jay watches that tape. I think he looks at what Xavier was able to do. Xavier hit, a, Xavier hit threes in that game. Paul Scruggs refused to lose. Villanova's going to have a refuse-to-lose mentality. They find a way to win on Wednesday night over Creighton, and they take Big East regular season championship. I, I love it, John. I love the energy. You've made me feel better within the 40 minutes that you've been on this podcast. John, I appreciate it, and I know that we're running up on time uh, for you. You are calling an NBA G League game um, in just a little bit. And I want to congratulate you on your personal success uh, throughout the regular, throughout the season. I feel like your career has been a rocket ship so far, but it's even been more of a rocket ship this season um, going. Uh, I know you just got back from calling the Nova Seton Hall women's game um, where Maddie Segrist scored her uh, thousandth point. So that was a, uh, that was great to see you on the call. It's good to see you and Kim Adams in the building all again. I appreciate you guys asking me to come on. I can't believe I think I'm preceding Dana O'Neill, who's literally the best in the business. So all hail Dana, all hail the full 40. I'm happy to come on anytime. Maybe we'll talk again during the big dance. Thanks for making time for me. Uh, for those listening to the pod, I was stuck on the turnpike driving back home. And what did these guys do? They hung in and made it happen. And I owe you guys a beer. I appreciate it. Happy to come out anytime. Let's, let's go. Let's do this. March! is here, and we're going to have a March to Remember. Happy March. Thank you, guys. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right, and we just want to thank John. John just dropped off the podcast. Tia, we want to thank John for his time on the podcast. Just a great interview. Um, love having John on. He is the guy to talk to about Big East Hoops, and he just gave us some really great stuff there, Rob. I don't think anybody lives and breathes Big East Hoops more than John. Just every time we're on here, I'm blown away with the depth of knowledge and insight that we're getting. So I love it. Yeah, no. And he even invited him back on. I mean, famous last words, because I'm just going to keep having him back. (laughs) (laughs) He he doesn't know what he's asked for at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, So so we we wanted to just keep going here a little bit. We want to preview the week to come. Obviously, coming off a tough loss, we have a Big East regular season title to win here. And what it's going to take is – to beat Creighton on on um, Wednesday, uh, that's it, it, pure and simple. That's it. That that's the name and it's the it. end of the. Yeah, that's it. Like if we had if we had beaten Butler, then all we really needed was to get one of the next two. Now beat Creighton. Period. End of story. Gotta have it. Gotta beat Creighton to even the head to head, or it's not a thing. So well, so, it sh- should be an easy thing to do, right? I mean, they're yeah. they're not not a very good team. Yeah, not great. They haven't beaten us. Yeah. So, so we're going to preview Creighton, but we're also going to preview Providence. Before we get into the games themselves, we had an interesting debate on the clubhouse set session because I'm of the belief that we're actually going to come out and beat Creighton. Like, just like John Fanta says, revenge is a bitch. Like, we're going to, he didn't say that, but I said it. Um, we're going to come out, we're going to get them, Finneran Pavilion, we're going to go out and beat Creighton. And to me, I actually don't think I'm going to gain too much from a beating of Creighton. Like, yes, interesting to see how they respond. Yes, ranked team. All of that stuff is all well and good. And I like to see how we can play against a top or a higher level opponent. All agree with all of that wholeheartedly. However, I'm actually more interested to see how we respond away at Providence because now we've had a narrative of struggling three losses away from home in the regular season, Big East regular season. And Providence is one of those teams that always gives us fits. And they have a handful of players who we have to keep in control. We're playing like that Georgetown arena, like that St. John's arena. They're playing 
they play at this home gym that's like a little hot box arena. So like it's one of those games to me that just feels like another trap game before we get into the Big East and NCAA tournaments. So I'm curious, Rob, like obviously the focus on the Creighton game. I'm curious what your thoughts are, though. Yeah, you just you seem like I missed most of this conversation on Clubhouse, by the way, because I was at a, a virtual baby shower, which I'm not a big baby shower guy. I think this may have been like maybe my first, maybe my second I ever attended. I will say it was very efficiently run. But regardless, I missed the discussion on Clubhouse. The words that are coming out of your mouth right now are, right now are absolutely crazy to me. This idea that, oh, yeah, we're just going to beat Creighton. I know you're not saying it's not a big deal, but – the fact that you're almost overlooking Creighton and saying I'm worried about Providence is absolutely asinine. And from, <laughs> from what you told me that most of the people were saying we're going to beat Creighton is crazy talk right now. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but Villanova does not look good. <laughs> I also don't know if you remember the Creighton game. Creighton beat us inside and out. Yes, they had Balak, who was six for eight, career day from threes. But the rest of that team was carving us up, too. Zegarowski had 25. The pick and roll was working all day with Bishop. We had nothing working for them. And I know the talk track was, oh, we only shot 30% from three. So that was an off day for us. I would have loved 30% from three today. (laughs) It's becoming clear we cannot rely as exclusively or from a fan perspective be expecting Villanova to come out and hit 40% from three we don't shoot that and we sure as shit haven't shot that recently I don't know what has changed between the first Creighton game and now that would make you think that we're just going to somehow magically come out and beat Creighton yeah they lost to Xavier okay fine This team can beat us, and I think they will beat us. I think the real risk is that we end up 0-2 this week, and then going back to our conversation with John, we end up on the four line at that point. This is just absolutely asinine to be thinking that we're going to be crazy. You're you're not – so let me try and clear this up a little bit because you're you're mischaracterizing what I'm saying. Maybe. maybe. Look, it's not crazy to say I think we're going to – win a game like that's not a crazy thing to say we we make calls all the time i think we're gonna win this game i think we're gonna lose that game we do that all the time here on the podcast that's not the crazy part i'm not taking it for granted what i'm talking about is what is going to teach me something about this team what is the response i'm looking for i'm obviously looking for a response against creighton this team to avenge a loss totally no debate there There's no doubt about it that this is the game. This is the circle game on the calendar is this Creighton game. That's the circle game, period, end of story. But I am saying that I'm also almost equally interested circling the Providence game because for the exact same thing Mm. that we've lost to St. John's and Butler and, and you know, not Creighton, but had a weak half, first half against Georgetown earlier in the year. And I'm saying this is a game, that Providence game is ripe now for, we're ripe for the taking. If we beat Creighton, we're going to be coming off high, feeling like we're all good and got things worked out and whatever. And the Big East tournament is looming. The NCAA tournament is looming. We've got this last regular season game versus Providence. And I'm saying that's a perfect trap game right there. And I do not want to lose it. So that's why I said that's what I'm looking for for a response from this team. Not just beating Creighton and avenging a loss and beating and avenging the last game on the calendar, but also like I'm looking at coming out hot against a a, a mediocre squad. I see your point. And I guess I'm thinking of it as even less of a trap game because I'm actually assuming we're going to lose. Yes. We're going to lose against Creighton. So we're going to come in there having lost two in a row in general looking across across our past six games not looking too hot and that doesn't even become a trap game for me it just becomes a oh shit you better win this game that's it that's it so i I see your point but your point assumes a win and i don't assume a win against creighton yeah that's the big disconnect for me fair enough enough. I, i think if we if we lose out this team is 
as a lot, I think this team has a lot of question marks already that we're seeing, but the question marks are, are even going to get bigger after two losses this potentially this week. <laughs> and Paul, after two losses that you've already put on the schedule, <laughs> I, put, I, I put one. I think we're going to lose at Creighton. I think we'll beat Providence. I think All we'll right. go one and one. All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um. So so let's 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 talk the Creighton game a little bit. So. Look, I we we we've talked about this in the podcast. I didn't get a chance to watch the first Creighton game, but w- what do we know? Um, you you have you have five guys on Creighton who average double figures. Uh, very balanced team, very system driven team, uh, very potent offense. Can shoot the deep ball. Can get can get inside. They have athletes on their squad, which makes them a little bit different than prior years of Creighton prior. Um, with Denzel Mahoney, who's an athletic guy, um, and Damian Jefferson. Uh, so you have a pretty balanced squad here that, that can really do well if they're shooting the ball hot, which is what happened to us in the first game. By and large, that was the largest storyline, is that they got hot and we got Creightoned, similar to the 2014-2000, uh, sorry, the 2013-2014 Villanova squad got Creighton. Um, home and away. Now, in in that first game, Balak went nuts, six from eight from deep. Um, I don't know if the same thing happens again in the pavilion. But look, Creighton's got. We we talked about Mahoney. We talked about Balak. We talked about Damian Jefferson. You also have Zagorowski, who was like a preseason Player of the Year candidate, who who Fanta just on the interview just there still thinks he makes the first team so we didn't even the first three players out of our mouths weren't even their best player on the team in Zagorowski so this is not an I'm not saying or thinking that this is any type of easy type of game whatsoever I do think though that when you look at at what they did to us in the first game I think you have film now I think Jay can adapt and I think that we can take our stars in our home and turn the tables yeah, the challenge for me is that, like you alluded to, their three-point shooting, of their top five scorers, four of those top five scorers shoot the three better than 35%. They have potency all around. And as we talked about with John, as we talked about on previous episodes, while we have plenty of issues offensively, we still have plenty of issues defensively, too. And because we still have those issues, because we haven't proven of late that we can really lock people down. I'm not putting a lot of credit on this, uh, a lot of credence to the St. John's win. I don't know that we'll have an answer and be able to stop them. Yeah, maybe our stars show up offensively, but Creighton is generally an offensive juggernaut too. So yeah. for those reasons, I don't, I don't see what's going to change between now and, and Creighton on um, this week that gives us a win. Well, I do think that I do think that what's going to change is one the pavilion versus versus uh, what is it, Century Link or whatever the name of the place is in Omaha. I think I think that matters. Um, there were fans there. It's an interesting storyline to follow. Butler had fans. Um, Creighton had fans. We've 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 lost twice with fans in the arena. Interesting note to put down there. Just a little tidbit of interesting information. As we get into um, March, where we know there will be fans at the NCAA tournament, uh, but I do think that the different confines makes a difference. I do think having game film from the last game makes a difference. I think the revenge game factor makes a difference. Um, so, what do I see? I, like, why do I come up with a win here? I do look at that St. John's game. Not to say that the St. John's game was like, okay, this is now instructive of how this team's going to play in all games moving forward, because clearly that wasn't the case today. But I look at the St. John's game as somewhat instructive for how this team responds in a revenge game scenario. So that is part of what's factoring into my uh, thought process there of predicting a win. I guess we'll have to see. We'll see what adjustments Jay makes. He's known for not making them in the game, but between games, he does tend to be pretty good. I hope, for my sanity's sake, that you are right and I am wrong. Yep. Now, focusing on the Providence game before we wrap up here. Um, look, Providence, we, we played them early in the season. We beat them. We actually beat them pretty handily. And they were at that moment, in the season and we were playing them at home, they needed that game really bad. 
because they looked like they were a team that was starting to rev up to maybe make a, a run for March. They've fallen off the wheel. They're 12 and 11. They're not playing a good, they've not had a good season. Um, it's been a disappointing season uh, over in Rhode Island. So I would say that you would normally say, hey, this is a team that, you know, we should beat this team. But I've said that about the Butler game today. So, so much, how much that matters. Um, and, you know, we're not playing at the dunk. Um, thank God, because that's also another dimension similar to Hinkle Fieldhouse. But we're playing in a we're playing in a place that we've never played before. I can't remember a game that we've ever played in this arena. Um, and, and and look, the name of Providence is they have a three headed monster in David Duke, Nate Watson, and AJ Reeves. With David Duke, who's been electric um, for most of the season, so you look at that and you say, okay, how do we? You know, we got to contain those guys. That is the that's the name of the game. That's what we got to do. You got to step out. You got to you got to make sure that you got your best defender on Duke. Um, we got to get load up down down low on Watson, and then you got AJ Reeves who can obviously shoot the ball pretty well. So, so yeah, a couple other guys who who do contribute. Horchler had a Noah Horchler had had a twenty point game of late, um, filling up the filling up the cup from deep. Nichols can also shoot the ball well. So you have some good shooters, but I, it's really about containing their big three. Yeah, absolutely. And this one doesn't worry me as much. Um, you know, to your point, even though there is the potential for a trap game, assuming we'd win against Creighton, something about the mentality with Providence. I think Jay just has Ed Cooley's number. I know it's always scrappy, but I I feel confident Jay will be over to overcome that. Laval Jordan and Butler, something about Laval. I don't think he's scared of Jay. He's he's a new guy on the block, and he's still he's not even that new at this point, but still relatively new and trying to make his mark. So I think the cats get this one done and wrap up the season with a win. And you're right. Those are the guys you got to look out for. We did a really good job of containing them in the first round. I think we'll do it again this time too. Yeah. I, I tend to, I tend to agree. I'm, I, I am interested to see how it goes. I, I, I do think that, and we'll talk about it on the clubhouse on the post game of the Creighton game and what's coming on the, what's, what's coming with Providence. I do think for whatever reason, I feel like, I feel like the, the, the results of the Creighton game is going to make me feel one way or the other very strongly about the Providence game. Yeah. If we kind of throw a total dud at Creighton, I'm going to feel like we're going to fucking lose, just like you said. But, like, if we throw – if we fall out and just have a hard-fought loss, then I feel like we'll, we'll come back and win and Providence will be the, the recipient of, of our – of our revenge, so to speak. If we go out and win against Creighton, then, you know, like I, like I predicted, then I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting to, to look at what happens at um, in Rhode Island on, uh, on Saturday. So I like that. that, that rounds out the regular season. Then we get into the big East tournament, which we kind of did a little preview with John on. We'll preview more next week. We do have some content news to talk about. John brought it up and tweeted about it. We've Instagrammed about it. We'll be doing some content about it on social media this week. Big interview coming up next weekend. We are talking with Dana O'Neill, probably in my fandom, the premier, if not like easily the premier writer about Villanova basketball um, in the national space. Um, started her career in the Philadelphia Daily News and, and, um, and progressed through ESPN and is now at the athletic um, and she's written article upon article upon article. Um, that's been great. I, I think I speak for the Villanova fan base is that we've all fallen in love with Dana's writing. She was one of the people tabbed outside of Jay Wright writing his own book uh, called attitude. She was one of the people tabbed to write a book about the Villanova 2016 team, um, which many people own called long shots. Um, so she's, she's, clearly been on the beat for a long time and she's a terrific writer uh, and and we and candidly Rob you and I are over the moon to have her on yeah it's going to be really exciting great to talk to somebody who's been so invested in Villanova basketball for such a long time and has really been there through that journey so really excited to bring her on the show hear about her experiences and get her take on on the team as well yep yep absolutely um, so, uh, with that also, I mentioned, we're going to be doing the clubhouse post game thing again. 
and then finally, want to mention uh, we are doing the live Big East um, during the Big East show. I was going to say it was looking like it was going to be a round one post-game show um, as of about 12 hours ago. Now, who the fuck knows what, yeah. what it's going to be? Is it going to be a pre-game show? Is it going to be a post-game show? We still don't know the answer to the question, um, but we will find out sooner or later. And we are doing that with the university in concert with the university. So you should have received an email about big East events coming. Um, if you're on the right mailer mailing list, sign up to, to listen into the podcast and register and you'll get the link and you'll be able to watch us live. You'll be able to look at our ugly mugs and watch us live as we do a podcast live from wherever we have, we still haven't figured that out yet either. That's so, true. It's very true. Uh, so Rob and I have some homework to do to figure out logistically what's going to happen there, but we're excited. We're doing it live with the, with the, with Villanova once again. So those are our two content hits, Rob. I think that's it. I think that's all we I think got. that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Let's go Nova.